Good morning. I'll be reading from Psalm 33. If you'd like to follow along, you'll find it on the back page of your green handout. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to him on the ten-stringed lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made. Their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all who considers everything they do. Second reading comes from Luke 11. It's on the front. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him?
minister's daughter, uh, one day, not mine, was having a very naughty week. And so her mum decided that uh, the punishment would be she could not attend the church picnic that weekend. Uh, she was pretty devout about that. As the week went on, uh, the, the mum felt that might have been a little bit harsh. She got a little bit soft. And so she changed her mind. And on that Sunday morning, she said to her daughter, uh, look, you can come to the church picnic. And all of a sudden, her daughter just started bawling. Like, seriously, just rivers of tears. And, and her mum's shocked, just trying to say, comfort her and say, What's wrong? I thought you would want to go. She said, I did, but I just prayed that it would rain. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great to have such a belief, such a conviction that prayer works, that prayer has the power to change lives. And that's what our series over these next four weeks is all about. But when we come to prayer as Christians... I think if we're honest, it's a mix, isn't it? There's, there's that no doubt that it is a blessing. But at times, I'm sure we've all felt that it can be a burden. Bear with me. There's a sense that there's no doubt that prayer can be this wonderful comfort in challenging times and a great joy as we have that time with God. But at other times... Prayer can leave us with such confusion. How does it work? And, and what is the answer? And, and certainly if you were to go to online to the Kurong Christian Bookstore and search up books on prayer, you would see that there are 2,865 different options. <laughs> that tells me that there's a lot of people seeking answers and kind of that sense that we don't have a definitive. It can mean confusion, but also... It can, it can make us feel guilty. I don't pray enough, or I'm not good enough to pray, or, or whatever it is. And, and there's that sense of uh, Christians in church, we have this label of, of these people called prayer warriors. And uh, it is wonderful that we have people who are faithful in prayer, but that lifting up of these people who, who seemingly get up at four o'clock in the morning and pray for hours and hours can leave us feeling very guilty when that's not us. So it's a mix, isn't it? And that's why I think it's going to be so good for us to hear from God, from his word about prayer and about how it changes lives. In fact, over these next four weeks, we're going to be asking a different question each week. Today is, who do you pray to? Next week, we're going to see, well, why should we pray? The third week is, how does prayer work? I think that's a common question and a big one for Christians. And finally, so what shall we pray? Once we've got those in line, then we want to be thinking about, well, what do we pray? Because prayer changes lives. So we, we need to get the answers to those questions or be reminded of them, encouraged and equipped. Prayer changes lives today, tomorrow, and for eternity. At the beginning of the series, though, I think it's really important that I say to you all, I am no expert at prayer. In fact, I've been praying that God would change, challenge, comfort me through this series to grow with me. I am excited to be sharing about prayer with you each week because 
in my personal Christian life, it's been one of those key areas where I can look back and see God has just grown me and grown my relationship with him again and again over the years, often as I've preached on it. And so that's my hope and prayer for you all because our vision is to be alive with Christ. And we use the tree. And like last week, I said that the word of God is like that water, the roots of the tree. I think prayer is like the sun to a tree. It's, it's the sun that gives it that fuel, that energy that it needs to really be alive and to grow. But it's not just personally. As a senior minister here at Mac, I do believe that we need to be growing as a church of prayer. A church that prays more and more, not just on Sundays, which is great, and we, it's great when we do it in our growth groups, but in prayer meetings and, and at other times being this church of prayer because at the end of the day, our vision and our mission cannot happen without God and without prayer. I'm helpfully reminded often in my quiet times by Psalm 127 verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house... The builders labour in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. It doesn't matter how much we try and do our vision and mission, if it's actually not depending on God, nothing supernatural, nothing eternal will happen. We will not make people alive with Christ. So that's why I think this is a great thing for us to be praying about. And today, while we're considering this question, who do you pray to? But let's join in prayer together and ask God to help us to hear him on this topic of prayer. Heavenly Father, deepen our own relationship with you through prayer and make us a church of prayer so that we can be more alive with Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So who are you praying to? What's your view of God? Because your view of God shapes whether you'll pray or not, what you'll pray, your expectations of prayer. For instance, as the rain falls, um, if we treat God a little bit like an umbrella, he only comes out when it's dark and stormy days. Well, that shapes our prayers, doesn't it? So that's why today I think it's really helpful in answer to the question of who do you pray to or what kind of God do you pray to, we're going to see that he is able and he is willing. And I really do hope uh, that this will be, these two truths will be things, that, two truths we will hold on to. They may not be new. That's not necessarily the point. The point is to be, yes, equipped and also encouraged in our prayer life. So firstly, let's see the first part of the answer. He is able. Not over some parts and not others of our life. Not over the things that are either too big or too small. No, he is able over all things. And that's what we see through the Bible from beginning to end. That God is able. But I find Psalm 33 really helpful. And so that's why we're going to have a quick look at that. And there's three things, that, three truths that I think will be really encouraged to see he is able he is able to answer our prayers firstly because he's powerful, powerful beyond our imagination. And verse 6 of Psalm 33 helps to just give us a bit of an idea of just how powerful he is. Read it along with me. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses with just words. 
God created our world and the galaxies. In the Milky Way alone, astronomers estimate between at least 100 to 400 billion stars, which is words. That's a powerful God, let alone in our own planet with our own sun. Just think about it. At any moment, there is a sunrise and a sunset happening right now. And each one, each day is seemingly unique on this beautiful canvas. That's a God who's powerful. But as I love that image in verse 7, it gathers the water of the sea into jars. <laughs> you know, there's just the idea of the oceans is God's gathered them together. But I love thinking about, particularly when it rains, I just think, what a powerful God. He, he could have just designed it so that the water that was going to come, that our world needs, could just go boom and fall in one lot. I don't know how much there would be left, but instead, in his power, he just makes it fall in drops that can land without doing any damage. That's a powerful God. He's also a God that uh, is able to answer our prayers because he controls all things. Verse 14, if you drop down there in the psalm, from his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth, he who forms the heart of all who considers everything they do. He is not a distant God. He didn't wind up the world set and forget. Now he is both everywhere and close all at the same time. He is forming our hearts. That's how in control he is and that's how caring he is. And finally he rules. Verse 10, the Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples, but the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. Whether it be the plans of nations or our neighbours, God rules over all. There is nothing, there is no one that does not sit under God's rule, whether they recognise it or not. That's a God to pray to. That's a God who is infinitely able about the big and at the same time, the small, the God of the details. There's nothing he cannot do. In 2014, there was a paper, a big story uh, about Barack Obama. It wasn't about policy or going to war or anything. It was because he'd been out to a restaurant in New York. There's a United Nations thing happening with some big wigs. And uh, so at the end of the meal, Barack was going to shout dinner, handed over his credit card, a couple of minutes later, a very sheepish and reluctant waiter came back to tell him that his card had been declined. Insufficient funds. The leader of the world apparently had run out of cash. That will never, ever happen to our God. He is able. And that should shape our prayers. I hope it shapes your prayers. Because prayer is where we express our dependence on God, isn't it? The God who is able. Our expectations of God are expect, expressed in prayers. What do we ask for? How big is the things, or the small are the things that we're asking for? 
And we can do that because he is able. That's the first part of the answer to the question. The second one, he is willing. Now, it's really important that we actually have both because there are other uh, gods who are absolutely able, all-powerful beings, but they, the believers have no confidence or assurance that he's willing. It's really important to have a God who is willing to actually listen and answer. But it's also equally important that you don't just have a willing God. Yeah, yeah, I'm happy to do all that. But he's not able. You need both. And our God is both. He is willing. And we can know this for certain when we look at the cross. Because there Jesus died on the cross in order to bring about a relationship between us and God, to restore that, to actually enable us to be adopted as sons and daughters so we could pray. Ever thought about that? That the cross is so that we can pray and not just pray, but to call God our heavenly father. Incredible concept, isn't it? Now, before we unpack that a little bit more, it's important to recognise that some of us will have had bad experiences of fathers, whether they be distant or harsh or whatever it is. And that creates that longing, doesn't it, of a loving, heavenly father. In fact, we all have that. And the wonderful thing about what Jesus has done is he brings, us, brings to us the perfectly loving Heavenly Father. And we see this as Jesus, having just prayed, uh, just as a great reminder of just how important prayer is, he comes down from prayer and the disciples say to him, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And what we should see is that Jesus doesn't go, okay, this is the right position. This is the mantra that you must recite. That's not what the Lord's Prayer is. The Lord's Prayer is Jesus firstly teaching, who do you pray to? And then what you can ask of him because he's willing. So look with me at Luke chapter 11 verse 2. Jesus says there, when you pray, say, Father. I know the Lord's Prayer is familiar with us, familiar to many of us, but let's just stop and just marvel at that for a moment. Jesus is saying, join me in calling to God and, and calling on him as your father. I've just come from praying as the son of God and I'm letting you know you can join me in speaking to the God of the universe and you can begin by saying, Father. As I said, the Lord's Prayer is familiar to us, but let's just have a quick look and see just how it shows us how willing he is as a father. He is willing to provide our daily bread. That's why Jesus is saying, ask him. He wants to give you your daily bread, your needs. Notice Jesus doesn't say, um, you know, everything you want, the mansions and stuff. It's your daily bread. It's the needs. But our father is willing to provide. We can ask him for forgiveness of our sins. Which is just remarkable that we have a loving father who knows we will sin against him, will reject him and rebel against him and do things that hurt others. But God is saying, yes, come to me as your father and I will forgive you no matter what you've done. And in fact, I will also help you to forgive others. 
Because forgiveness is so important in relationships and he wants for us to have good relationships. Unforgiveness is a relationship killer. But God, our Father, is willing to help us to be forgiving. He also is willing to help us lead us away from sin because he knows the damage that that does to ourselves and to our relationships, let alone our relationship with him. That's a Father who's willing that's why Jesus says in verse 9 there, So I, I, I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Come, come to your father. He is willing. This is a radical claim. That's why Jesus then goes on to give them two different examples. Firstly, of the neighbour. And I want us to spend some time then on the father. Or it would be equally appropriate for the mother. So chapter 11, verse 11, Jesus continues to really try to impress upon us. He is willing. He says, which of you fathers or mothers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Which, or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion some dads might do that as a practical joke, but we know straight away that's ridiculous. No one would ever do that. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask of him? It's a really simple concept, isn't it? Fathers and mothers know how to good give, give good things to their kids. We may not do it perfectly. In fact, Jesus rightly says, compared to God, we're evil. There are galaxies between us and that perfectly loving, perfectly holy and good heavenly Father. He says, man, we can get it right. He doesn't just say, and so, oh, God can get it right too. And look at what he says our Heavenly Father is willing to give us. It's himself. Do you see that? The Holy Spirit. Not only has he given us his son to die on a cross, he has given us the Holy Spirit to come and live with us. And if he will come and give himself, he's not going to shortchange us on anything else. In fact, that is the greatest gift, the greatest need that we have. More than comfort, we need the king. More than gifts, we need the giver. More than pleasure, we need God's presence. See, we're not twisting God's arm in prayer, Jesus says. It's not about how much you do it, how many other people you rope into doing it. He doesn't go, oh, okay, that's enough. No, he is willing because we are his sons and daughters, perfectly loved by a perfect heavenly father. Who listens? I've got to say, as a dad, I don't always listen. Too busy, too tired. I wish I did listen more. But our heavenly father is never too tired or too busy. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12, we read, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayers. Isn't that wonderful to know? No matter where we are, no matter what's going on, God is listening. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with uh, many of the stories of Dr. Seuss. Uh, one of the favourites I have is Horton Hears a Who. Anybody read the book, seen the movie? Yeah, a few. That's cool. 
Uh, it's about an elephant who finds on a flower a very tiny speck of dust. And on that speck of dust is Whoville. It's a group of people, a town. But the elephant, and only the elephant, can hear. And he cares for them. He seeks to save them. And as I watched that movie with my kids years ago, I thought, that's like our God. So different, so beyond our imagination, yet turns his mighty ears to hear my cries, my words, even my praise. Because he's willing. He's a willing heavenly father. Now, at that point in time, we've got two pieces to the, the answer to our question. He's able and he's willing. But you might then be saying, okay, Rob, that sounds good. But if he's so willing and able, why doesn't he answer my prayers? I can understand why we'd ask that. Maybe it's not just why doesn't he answer. It's also why doesn't he seem to care? It's worth being honest with ourselves and recognising that I'm very happy to say God has answered my prayers when it's the yes that I want. Very often, <laughs> the reason why we're asking these questions, if he hasn't answered or he doesn't care, is because we've either got the no or we're still waiting. Um, so that's important to kind of recognise. But actually, the best thing we can do is hear from Jesus again. What would he answer to this question? Well, let's turn to John chapter 15. Uh, just very briefly, Jesus gives this incredible picture of what it is to be having faith in him and united with him. It's the vine and the branches. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches connected to him, that life-giving symbol. He, life pours through him and we're connected. And then in verse 7, Jesus says this, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. It's really important that we keep two halves of verse 7 together, isn't it? It'd be nice to just go ask whatever you want and it will be given to you. But that's not what Jesus says. He said, if you abide or remain in me and my word comes into your heart, your mind, your very soul, and we let that word transform us and change us and direct us. Then Jesus says, you can ask whatever you want because it will be according to God's will. You'll know it, you'll love it, you'll want to live it. And it will be answered. What is the answer that we're to look for? Jesus says, the Father's glory. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. That the answers, the, the prayers that we're asking and the answers that we're giving is that God would be glorified in the fruit of our lives. You see, prayer is that two-way conversation. We need God's word, Jesus' words to come to us and then we respond in prayer. I know it's tough at times. We, we, we can feel like we've only got one, maybe two pieces of the puzzle. But that's why it's so important for us to remember that God has the whole puzzle. And he, it's in his, his the best hands for that. We couldn't cope with the whole puzzle. We'd mess it up for sure. But God gives us the pieces of the puzzle, the things that are going on in our life, so that we will 
depend on him in prayer because we can, that we will have expectations of him because we can. In Romans 8, 28, 29, God tells us that he is working for the good of those who love him. He is working for the good. What is that good? Well, verse 29 tells us that we will be conformed to the likeness of his son. It doesn't mean that, oh, you'll become better people, good people, or even good Christians. No, what he's saying is that we'll become like Jesus who looks to his heavenly father in prayer and sees just how loving, how glorious, how gracious, how merciful he is. God wants for us to have the eyes of Jesus upon him. So we'll know how loved we are. So we'll know that he is able and he is willing to answer our prayers. And so when we, you know, we have important things we pray for. Example, it could be a, a sick person. Just this week, a close relative of mine, I, I found out their cancer has returned. What do I pray? Well, I want to pray that whatever happens, God will be glorified in it. I then want to pray for healing if God is willing. Or that this person will have a greater sense of the hope of eternal life than they've ever had before. Do you see that? how that shapes our prayers? And what a wonderful thing for God to answer those prayers for this person, for the people that we love, for ourselves. See, we can trust God. He is able and willing to change lives for his glory through our prayers. It's a radical idea. It's incredible if we stop and think about it. I think God is speaking to us about a few different things and, and maybe differently to each of us. Firstly, he's speaking to those who wrestle with doubts about God, whether he is able or willing or maybe both. And that can be because of circumstances in the past that have happened. It could be because of circumstances right now or even ones that we can see coming in the future. And I think it's really important to recognise that Christians of all ages and stages can have doubts like this. Cass and I have a wonderful, mature Christian friend, and she knows she has doubts about God. It's one of the, the, the struggles that she has. It can happen. Well, I hope today, as we have, if that's you, and you've been we're looking at God's word together and seeing that he's able and willing, you've been comforted. And hopefully, even just a little bit, if not a lot, your doubts have been changed to move from doubt to faith in a God who is able and willing. I think God's also speaking to those of us today who, if we've heard about this God, you might have realised that you've been praying to a different God. Maybe because you felt that you weren't able to come before him, that he wasn't willing. Or maybe you didn't feel that he was able to answer all your prayers. I hope you've heard that he is not only able and willing, but he is for you and for his glory. And so I hope today that you've heard God speak to you and you've been challenged. Challenged to let him, his word and who he is, change your prayers. And, and look, that can be something that you want to talk more about. Please fill out a connect card. Love to sit down and talk with you and pray with you about that.
I think God's also speaking to all of us because I know I need to be reminded of this, to let God be God in my prayers. Instead of giving God advice about what he should do, and if he just took my plan, it was all going to work out right. No, to let God be God and let him answer our prayers, trusting that it will be the right way, that it will be actually for the best. That if something doesn't happen, it's actually for the best for us or for the people that we're praying about. That we can trust our Heavenly Father for the right and the best answer, not just our answer. Who do you pray to? Well, I hope today we've all been encouraged and equipped to trust God who is able and willing to change lives for his glory through prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can call you Father. That you are our loving Heavenly Father. And I pray today that you will have spoken to each one of us this great truth that we would have given us conviction that you are able and willing and that you would cast out doubts, that you would help us to have a clear picture of who you are if we've been praying to a different God and that we would trust. We would trust you and depend upon you in prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to have a...